Hey everyone, this is Deacon Jim Roner from Fort Front Church coming to you again, but I am not alone in this episode. Joining me is the executive producer of Forefront Church, Mackenzie Gomez, and we are having a conversation with Forefront Church's newest staff member, the incoming teaching pastor, Vanita C. Rodman Jenkins. Recently, the longtime teaching pastor and one of the founders of Forefront Brooklyn, Jonathan Williams, announced that he will be stepping down. This is a disruptive and transitionary process for sure, but we are excited that Vanita is stepping up and joining the team. And so by the time you've listened to this episode, you have probably already heard her preach and you have heard a lot about her if you follow Forefront Church or if you watch us on socials. But we wanted to help you get to know her a little bit better if you have not yet had a chance to talk with her one-on-one. So Mac and I sat down to have a conversation with her. It's a bit free-flowing just to kind of get a sense of where Vanita comes from, what her leadership style is like, and also her faith journey and what led her to being a pastor and kind of embracing a role that she did not plan for, that she did not set out to be on. So it's a really exciting conversation. I'm I'm really happy that I got the chance to get to know her better, and I'm really excited for all of y'all to get the chance to know her better as well. So once again, that's me and Mac having a conversation with Vanita C. Robin Jenkins. Jonathan, we're going to miss you. Vanita, we are excited to have you in the fold. So enjoy everyone, and I hope that you all all get to know us a a little bit better after listening to this episode. Vanita, thanks for talking to us today. I really appreciate it. And um, for a lot of people, um, I'm sure they're they're getting there's we're all getting to know you still. We're all getting to know you as a person, your journey, and everything. So I'm curious, and I'm sure a lot of people are curious out there. What what has your journey been like? What has ultimately led you here to forefront? Wow. I have to say that it's all been the Lord's doing (laughs) and it's totally marvelous in my eyes. Um, In terms of uh, what led me to forefront, I have to honestly say that there were a number of different experiences that led me to where I am right now. Um, One of which um, I could probably say started with just my exposure to faith. Um, and growing up in the church and um, having a number of different experiences where I learned um, to love God, to have a relationship with God and Jesus Christ. And um, as I grew and as I matured in ministry, um, doors were open to me to be able to preach and to teach. And I began to be exposed to various faith traditions. And um, a couple of them were very progressive, very similar to Forefront. And um, I have been you know, connected to a number of people from underrepresented groups and identities. And um, I have a passion and heart to just create spaces where people can be who they are, all of who they are, their authentic selves, and have a relationship um, with God. And, um, you know, last year during the pandemic, I I started a church, and uh, it's a virtual church, everything is online, and, you know, we've been able to build up um, a wonderful community of faith, and someone reached out to me from Forefront. I had not heard of Forefront. I don't think um, I had heard of Forefront. Um, I asked um, how they found my name and no one could give me a straight answer. <laughs> I had no idea. Um, and, you know, here I am, right? Uh, and when I look at the, um, the events that took place over a period of decades and then quite recently with my connection to Forefront, I honestly believe that it was truly the Holy Spirit at work. Um, it's been a very exciting time um, getting to know all of you, getting to learn more about Forefront and um, your processes and your rhythms and what you do to connect people to God. And uh, it's 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 very powerful and um, I'm excited for more people to be exposed to Forefront Church. Great. So <laughs> was was ministry something that you, I, I mean, 
going way back had always wanted to get into. I mean, you know, some some of us evangelicals would, would call it a, a conviction, uh, if you were, or a vocation. I believe a vocation is my proper term. Sorry, evangelical uh, educational upbringing. Um, or were you more along the lines of sort of like, um, you know, life is what happens when you're making other plans. Like you were you were going along doing other things, and then suddenly you're like, you hear a voice like, oh, well, here I am, Lord, kind of a thing. Because we've... The weird thing about Forefront is that's kind of how a lot of that stuff happens. People are like, I've got these plans. And all of a sudden it's like, I guess I'm a pastor at Forefront now. Or yeah. <laughs> you have so many of our lives, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, it's interesting because as I mentioned, um, I just did so much work in the church. Um, I loved being a part of various ministries from the choir to ushering to um, youth ministry, just being involved in so many different things. And after I graduated from college, um, went to Syracuse University, had my bachelor's in psychology, I came home, started working, continued to work in the church, but I was really open to God. And I said, God, I just really want to work more in the church. That's where it all started, right? <laughs> just being open, right? To be honest, I had no desire to be a pastor or a minister or anything of the sort. Um, I was along my merry way, enjoying life, um, loving all things Jesus. And um, I got to a point where I just felt like the Holy Spirit kept sending me these messages through people in terms of where they were seeing me. And that was fine. However, I didn't necessarily see myself there, but I was open to it. And I began to pray about it and journal. And I remember feeling like, Lord, I'm not going to do like, I'm not going to be a minister. Like, I don't know the Bible, like all these other people, you know, I can't lead people in that way. I went to a Pentecostal church um, and is a very traditional black Pentecostal church. Wonderful. I'm grateful for my upbringing. Um, I also was exposed to the Catholic faith, but the way that people preached and the way that they um, exhorted, I didn't necessarily feel like that was me. So I only sort of saw that as being sort of the, the way that you are supposed to minister and the way that ministry was affirmed. And that didn't really fit with who I was as an individual and how I just operated, you know? Um, so I was open, a couple of people gave me these prophetic words and I'm like, Lord, it's that person, it's that person, it's not me. And I got to the point where I just opened myself up and I said, yes, Lord, like, I feel like I'm supposed to be a minister, again, not a pastor, um, but I wanted to help someone who was a pastor to be able to, you know, just continue to do the work of God and um, talk to my pastor about it, Bishop Kenneth Robinson. And he said, you know, well, I'm happy for you. And um, he talked to me about what I needed to do to be licensed. Um, and then I gave my initial sermon. And I remember all these years later, it was if not now, then when? I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one's going to be able to work. And um, so that was my first sermon. And from there, um, doors of opportunity began to open. Um, I decided to go to seminary. Now, my church was not big on seminary, but I had a number of friends who were in seminary of different faith traditions, right? Because my faith tradition was a little like, if you go to seminary, you will no longer embrace the teachings that you, that we, you know, imparted to you. And they felt like, you know, at times if people go to seminary, and this was shared kind of explicitly and implicitly from time to time, like you just wouldn't be <laughs> the person were uh, so or you know your faith wouldn't be as strong there were a lot of different things you would fall away there were a lot of things it was interesting yeah so um but again I love this church this is where you know my faith really developed and was licensed in that organization United Holy Church of America and then I decided I wanted to go to seminary got accepted to New York Theological Seminary for my MDiv and um, I felt like the Holy Spirit began speaking to me about being more open, particularly to the LGBTQIA community. And um, my seminary was affirming. Um, I was in seminary, but I was not affirming. 
<laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, no, see, this is what my church was talking about. They're going to like, try to like turn you away from your teachings. And um, I remember someone was in seminary and one of my professors checked us and he was just like, oh no, you know, um, and he really talked to us about inclusivity. I was not open to it. And I had to go back to him and apologize and thank him for that experience some years later, because I actually am an adjunct professor there now. Um, but yeah, I was ordained. Oh, well, I went, I did my internship during some of my seminary experience. And when I did my internship, I um, met up with an amazing pastor, Pastor Lester Taylor. It was a Baptist church. So I wound up joining that church. I was one of the first women ordained at that church. He gave nice. me so many wonderful experiences. <laughs> I was a youth minister there. So I was a youth pastor there for six years. And um, yeah, that was a wonderful experience. So <laughs> yeah, can you can you talk us through, let's go back a little bit to you're in seminary, you're not affirming. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, somewhere in there, things changed for you. And I'm curious, what, what was it? Or is there a moment or, uh, yes, you mentioned this, this professor, but um, talk us through that journey of, because now you are affirming, <laughs> especially if you're going to be teaching pastor at Forefront Church. Hello. But, uh, <laughs> Hello. Right. So yeah, tell us more about that. I'm so curious because I know now you do so much work on inclusivity and belonging. So yeah. anything you want to share there? There were a number of people that I felt in my spirit that identified within the community. I would go to tons of concerts. I would go to tons of church um, uh, meetings, conferences, and people would talk about people that they thought or assumed were gay. We didn't know, right? Um, but when I was in seminary, I started to think about these individuals, but to be honest, they came more to my forefront, if you will, right? Because I had had these experiences for years with individuals who I assumed, everybody assumed that they were in the community, but they just weren't out and they were not in an affirming space to be out, right? So during the time that I was in seminary, um, there were a number of people um, that were not affirming, um, but I started thinking more about these individuals and how they must feel, right? Being in a space where they just can't be who they are. Right. And I feel like because I started to see, right, and start to pay more attention and started to sort of unearth some things that were buried like within me and started thinking more about these individuals, that allowed me to be more open. And um, you know, after I left the that one particular Baptist church, got married, went to another Baptist church, my husband and I were talking. And we were just, I had been sharing with him through the years about how I felt and about how I was feeling like I wanted to do more for this community. In fact, um, I had been applying to doctoral programs for my clinical and counseling, uh, either PhD or PsyD. And I wanted to be able to work with people who were in the community and had a faith base, right? So. So, so that was really on my heart. I wanted to just help them work through things. Um, didn't really have the language, didn't have any training, but this is where my heart was. And my husband and I were talking about things and we decided to start going to a church that was inclusive where everyone could just go and be. And we just felt like, you know, this is what church is supposed to be like. This is what heaven is gonna be like where we're all just connected and together. So. We took a step of faith um, and we decided to go to this one particular church and, you know, they put us to work right away. Um, you know, Todd was my husband, Todd was ushering and he, it was so funny because he's handing out like their affirmation statement, which said like LGBTQ and he was like, oh wow, this is deep. And then I'm singing in the choir. We went to the church for like four months or something, but we were super <laughs> active. 
And we were like a little giddy about it only because it was our first experience with an inclusive church, but we were so ready. Like we were so ready. And then we wound up uh, moving to Connecticut for a job opportunity. And we said, we are gonna look for an affirming church. And um, I had to work this particular Sunday and Todd said, I'll check this church out because we had a, a flyer or something that came to our home. And um, he's like, okay, first off, Anita, you're going to love this church because there is a woman pastor. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> Hallelujah. Like, yes. <laughs> they, and he said, they are definitely affirming. He said, I will tell you the guest minister who preached is an openly gay man. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then I wound up going and we stayed with this church. Uh, the pastor was Reverend Nancy Butler. She passed some years ago of ALS, dynamic woman. She started this church. She really inspired me. She gave me plenty of opportunities to preach and to connect and to just, we did all sorts of things at the church. Um, we're still connected to the people there. Um, Riverfront Family Church in Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, so when I was teaching or when I was coordinating at uh, UConn, I met up with the director of their women of their rainbow center, Floretta mm -hmm. King, and she identifies within the community. And my relationship with Floretta really helped me understand more about the community. Um, I did a training with her over 10 years ago. Um, and we had great conversations because, you know, she's a Christian and she identifies and we were able to share and talk and she was able to share her story with me. I was able to share my story um, in terms of my allyship and some of the things that have been on my heart for years. And I feel like um, my relationship with Floretta was really um, a huge turning point for me because it moved from you know, I'm seeing and I'm assuming and I think I know, but I don't really know to building relationships with this person. And when I got the job um, at NJCU to be able to start um, an LGBTQIA plus program, she came in as a consultant to help us set up our program. And from that program, we've been able to help other schools set up their program. So um, my relationship with Loretta was definitely um, one of the turning points for me. That's awesome. That yeah, is that's, so cool. That's great. And, and, uh, and you've touched upon this already, but I also want to kind of uh, piggyback on Max's question that this is a, it's such a wonderful journey. And, you know, thank God that you've arrived at this place. I'm wondering if in retrospect, if you look back, could you recall any, any relationships or any moments that you had with people who, um, you know, extended some some grace or, or or patience to you while they, you know, while you were on this journey to eventually get to a spot of affirmation that you can just look back and be like, thank God that person extended me that that grace to to help me get along to this place where now I can I can help affirm, I can lift up and I can, you know, bring equity for others. Yeah, I feel like if we're specifically talking about the LGBTQIA plus community, um, I'm thinking about one person, oh my gosh, one of my colleagues years ago when like, you know, same gender loving marriage was not a thing. And he and his partner, I remember had gotten married um, somewhere, Puerto Rico, somewhere, I don't remember. But anyway, I'm like, but you know, you're not really married, right? And... <laughs> I feel like I think we're on LinkedIn together it's funny that you mentioned that maybe there's the Holy Spirit because I've been thinking about him and um, I want to send him a note of apology when I tell you he had grace and we were fine like he we kept talking we worked our cubes were right next to each other we worked together and it wasn't like I yelled at him it wasn't like I said it in an argumentative way mm -hmm. however that was so harmful those words were so harmful and he extended grace. Um, and this was a number of years before I came into my own coming out process, if you will, as a cisgender heterosexual ally, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, I would say people like Mark, I would say people like Floretta. I used to ask her questions and she used to say, Benita, you can ask me all the questions you want. You know, I'm like, Floretta, is it okay? Like, can I call Todd my husband? Should I be saying partner? Or, <laughs> and she's like, 
you can call him whatever you want. It's quite all right. <laughs> you, know, like, <laughs> you know, like I would just like ask all these questions because I was really trying to be as inclusive as possible. I remember doing, oh my gosh, um, a domestic violence prevention training. And it only mentioned heterosexual couples. Mm. And, you know, afterwards, and, you know, when I realized, you know, this huge faux pas, I'm like, I told her, I said, oh my gosh, Florent, I can't believe, I think I had like one thing in there, like for same gender loving, but like the statistics weren't there. And it would have been a great opportunity, you know, and since that time, um, that's the type of work that I do. So I make, I make sure that's inclusive, but she just had so much grace, you know, and um, so much love and support. Um, yeah, I just feel like just along the way, there were so many people like even Nancy, Pastor Nancy, you know, this was our first, um, well, kind of our second, but like our first church that we were at for a length of time that was affirming. Um, you know who had grace for me? <laughs> Jeff Chu, the author Jeff Chu, um, author of um, Does Jesus Really Love Me? A Great, A Gay Christian mm -hmm. Pilgrimage in Search of God in America. I think that's the title. But anyway, Jeff was interviewing people for his book. And there are two people from my former church who were actually in his book. So he wanted to get my perspective, like coming from a black church. And I was petrified. It was just like, I was sort of on the fringes and he was asking me all these questions. And I'm like, please don't use my name. <laughs> like, please don't, like, like I, was, I was there, but I wasn't all in. Right. And he's like, oh, and he's asking me these questions. Honestly, I think like my heart felt like it was just going to just jump out of my chest because I was so nervous. Um, and uh, he, he just had a lot of grace. He was like, OK, I was like, I'm going to share this with you, but please don't use my name. And like a year later, probably when the book was already published, I called and I'm like, you can use my name if you want. But like the book was already done. Um, I wound up inviting him to my school. Um, so he came to give a talk, which was phenomenal. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, just along the way, there's been so much grace, which is why I just have grace for people, right? And that's what we're supposed to have for individuals. And Jesus extends his grace to us and we extend it to others. And I remember like when I talk to people and they are just not there and they're looking at me like, Benita, what the heck are you doing? When they are even afraid to ask the name of the church, they don't wanna know nothing about anything, you know? Um, I have grace and when they're asking questions, I answer them and I know that it took me a while to get to where I am. Um, and I feel like as I continue to love people and talk to people about affirmation and healing hurts and helping pe and respecting people where they are, I feel like then maybe some people might come around just like I did. I've ditched a lot of the, um, you know, evangelical platitudes, mantras, whatever it is you want to call them that I kind of inherited from when, when I was a kid and, you know, learning all those, you know, hymns and psalms and that kind of stuff. But two, two that still stick with me from when I was a kid that I think you've just embodied and spoke to, like, uh, we love because he first loved us and like they know they will know we are Christians by our love, which like, you know, whoever sings that song, now, I think Jars of Clay has a version of it. Maybe they popularize <laughs> it. Who knows? Um, but uh, but just those are like, oh, those are still sentiments and thoughts of like, yes, we can still hang on to these and we can still embody these things. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. You know, um, over the last couple of months, I've been thinking a lot about my background and my experiences and how um, even though, you know, from a theological perspective, there's a lot of what I believe that does not align, I am very clear that I am grateful for those experiences, right? And because I um, am assured that those experiences have led me to where I am now. So I have sort of over the last, I would say, few months been really thinking about 
um, my past, my experiences, and um, I try not to speak negatively about them, but I try to think about all of the positive experiences. You know, there were some negative experiences, but I've, I've been led, I feel led to talk more and think more about the positive experiences that helped um, root me in the faith, right? Because without those experiences, I wouldn't be where I am. And I'm grateful for them all. You know, I feel like, you know, I love the hymns. I love, you know, <laughs> I just loved all my sister and I were recently talking about them. I said, can you believe that we just developed such wonderful friendships with people from the church? Like we were so happy to see my friends at church. We were so happy to sing together. We were so happy to, you know, walk to the, do you want to walk to the altar together? To walk to the altar, to pray, um, to just seek God and to have those overnight prayer meetings and, you know, like some of the things that, um, I don't even know if folks are doing them now, maybe they are, but um, I'm grateful for those experiences and um, for the exposure to um, a number of different ways that I've been able to connect with God and then carry those things forward. Speaking more to to now now your uh, your approach to things your approach to being a, a leader a pastor I wonder if you can um, explain a bit about your your style you know each person that that you know comes through a church that comes through forefront has there are different things that make them unique that whether it's their, their experiences their their stories for you what what is your I mean from your own words what are what's your leadership experience like how do you approach sermons messages what's anything that you know people can kind of get to know you a, a bit better mm -hmm. yeah so my leadership style is um first off in terms of just management style um, I love to hear what people are thinking so first off I'd like to be able to connect with people on a regular basis um, that I'm leading I like I want to get to know people right and I don't only want to get to know the people who are in leadership right I want to get to try to know everyone and hear their stories right um, and find out what their needs and concerns are and how I can best support them in my role here at the church. Um, so, you know, I've been an athlete and I mean, I would still consider myself an athlete. <laughs> I'm not training for anything right now, but it's coming. Um, <laughs> but I love um, the team approach. Um, I love recognizing that I come with unique skills and abilities and gifts to be able to lead people in a way that uplifts them and encourages them and um, gives them confidence, right? And then I want to be able to understand that I can grow from the people that I'm leading to, right? So with the team approach, I feel like, you know, Folks come with different gifts and abilities and ways of being. And, you know, we all work together uh, for the common good and we all um, play a role, right? We all play a part. So, um, you know, I like to think about the choir too, right? Everyone has different voice parts and we harmonize so beautifully together. Um, you know, the hand can't do what the foot can do and the eye can't do what the, you know, mouth can do, you know, uh, we all play a role, um, but I want to be able to hear different voices and then move forward from there, right? Be able to make decisions that would um, benefit, you know, the, most people and the church, you know, um, in terms of my preaching, um, I like to pray about things. I like to keep my eyes and ears and my spirit open. Um, I like to see what is initially calling me and moving me. And if there is something that continues to be on my heart, then I honestly feel like this is the sermon that I'm supposed to preach. And God will lead me to a text and I'll have, you know, resources and supporting documents. Um, and the beautiful part for me is when people can say, wow, Benita, I feel like you were 
preaching to me, to my needs, to my concerns. And I'm like, Whew, thank you, Lord. Like, <laughs> yes, that was you, right? Because sometimes I'm like, I think this is what the Holy Spirit wants me to say, but I don't know. Let me, you know, let me see, you know? So, um, so that's really a blessing for me. And then I, and then I write, you know, I just, I like to write out the manuscript and, you know, like to see, um, you know, what the Holy Spirit gives me. And then I execute and move forward from there. And um, there you have it, you know? And when I say it's all the Lord, it's all the Lord, because when I was growing up, I was the one who used to cry when it came to giving speeches. So ever since I was a tiny, tiny tot, you know, we would have our little Christmas, uh, we call them speeches or pieces, and um, they would be memorized because my mother would make sure they were memorized and she would work with us in terms of our diction and our uh, posture and our public <laughs> speaking. So my mother and my grandmother were no joke when it came to public speaking. Okay, <laughs> So they trained us. We were in oratorical contests, all that good stuff. Um, but I would always cry until I turned 11. So this went on probably from like five to 11, like all the time. Mm -hmm. And one of my youth leaders, shout out to all the youth leaders out there that believe in their young people. She gave me uh, The Creation by James Weldon Johnson. And it's a very long speech. And when she gave it to me, I said, oh my gosh, really, Rose? Rose, you want me to read this? And I was 11 years old. It was Children's Day. I had everything memorized. And um, I stood up there, I looked at all the people and I said, oh my gosh. And I started to cry. So they escorted me to the back off stage and my mom spoke to me. She came running, another youth leader. They all kind of like, come on, you can do it. They gave me a little massage and you know, you, you got this. And my mother's like, did anyone do anything to you? I'm like, mommy, you know, I always do this. So please, you know. So anyway, I'm like, no one did anything to me. It's stage fright. So <laughs> got back up there, said the speech, got my first standing ovation. Aww. 11 years old, a few years later, eighth grade graduation, graduation from St. Anastasia School in Teaneck, New Jersey. I was one of the students who gave the graduation speech. Hmm. Fast forward to senior year, Teaneck High School. Um, the president of the class, I was the vice president of the class. The president of the class, it was traditional for them to give the speech. And then you had to try out to give the speech, the next person. We didn't have valedictories and salute salutatorians. I think they were trying for inclusivity then. Um, but anyway, um, so I tried out, I said this, my senior year graduation speech, right? So I feel like God was just working and I won an oratorical contest when I was in the ninth grade. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Wow. Wow. Well, this is so interesting for me to hear this journey of stage fright with you, because I, you know, I was going to say earlier, I have the I've had the honor of um, already being exposed to your creativity and your artistry, and not only as a writer, but as a singer, as a speaker. I, I mean, I loved hearing your poem the other night mm -hmm. and um, hope to hear more of your work, but um, how, how does your creative side um, influence your sermons? Because I, I know that you, you like to sing in your sermons, so I hear. <laughs> <laughs> I love to sing. I come from a family of singers and I feel like there are so many songs that have ministered to me and there are so many songs that connect with my sermon. And sometimes I just try to incorporate a song into my sermon. Um, and I feel like that is just, that is just me because, you know, it doesn't always happen, but sometimes there's just something that is just really impressed upon my heart and my spirit. And I feel like I love the creative aspect of developing a sermon as well, where you can do what you want in delivering a message, right? And, you know, it has had an impact on people and they have shared with me. In fact, some people have said, you need to sing more. I feel like you know, I want to hear you sing more, you know? So there's that. Um, I've been able to, you know, incorporate some of my monologues into sermons. 
um, yeah, God uses me in a creative way because I love the arts. I, you know, we've talked about that, Mac. Mac. Yes, you know, I'm, I'm so happy, you know, to be working with, you know, so many artists um, at Forefront because uh, artistry, creativity, just so many things just, just speak to my heart. You all are my people. We're Yes, I found my people. Um, Love to hear it. I know Angela and I are excited for for your voice being on that stage. <laughs> I'm excited to sing with you. I love harmonizing. I used to have a group with my sisters, and yeah, I just love singing with folks. So, <laughs> and and you're you're talking to the right people. I mean, Mac was you know you know trained in 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 performance and dance, and I'm I I run the faith and film small group for this, which is basically just an excuse to get together with people and talk about movies. So, <laughs> so you're I love it. You're you're in the right spot. You're amongst friends. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I I think it's cool that you incorporate song into your sermons too because i'm thinking about like someone who i don't have the greatest singing voice in the world you may you know you may wonder if i truly believe that if i'm belting out karaoke in koreatown at you know two o'clock in the morning <laughs> but i remember i i used to go to an episcopalian church in new jersey and every now and again depending on the liturgical calendar the mother ellen who was one of the rectors would sing the communion liturgy and i found that that was so resonant because it's sort of like you know not everyone feels very comfortable singing so there's a vulnerability and kind of like a connection with something which is mm -hmm. above you and it's sort of like i'm going to i'm going to present this what would be a standard thing but in a way which is celebratory i think that's so awesome it is and it's honestly shout out to the black church because that's really where i got it from to be honest i mean <laughs> you know there's so many ministers that like sing in their sermons you know sing at the beginning of the sermon sing at the end of the sermon so i kind of came up with that anyway so um so yeah i feel like that was just a part of me and it was something that i did in connecticut um and they enjoyed it it was something i did um in New York, uh, where I went to church and, you know, they enjoyed it. And it was like, I'm glad you're enjoying it because it's something that is really connected to my spirit. And um, if I feel like it fits, I'm gonna try to incorporate it into, you know, the, the message. So um, it also, it sounds a bit like we're we're leaning into this territory. So I'll get into it. What do you, what do you do for fun, Vanita? What, I, I mean, being, being a pastor coming up in the church, like there's, it's not just hard work because of running a church, but also like you, you take on other people's, you know, burdens a lot. You know, you, you have to be empathetic. You have to be listen a listener. You have to be, be there for pastoral care. So when it comes time for you to be like, I'm going to take care of myself. How do you do that? That's a great question. I'm all about self-care. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I don't always... <laughs> prioritize it. Um, I feel like the summer is a great time to prioritize it. So I'm all about um, having fun. So just like I am wired to have fun. Like that is me. <laughs> um, I am wired to have a good time. Um, one of my friends nicknamed me at one point in my life, the Christian party girl. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I know partying looks like very different for a lot of different people. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's like just having a good time, having so much joy, talking, laughing. Um, so, so that's self-care, right? Connecting um, and um, sharing space with other individuals who you care about and care about you. So that's one way that I like to take care of myself. Um, I love working out. Um, I enjoy just, you know, whether it's in the house or just going to the park. Um, so I'm all about Nike training club. <laughs> so Nike, I've shared this before, Nike training club helped to get me through the pandemic um, because I had been injured and I had injured my ankle and I wasn't able to run. I enjoy jogging. Um, so that helped uh, get me through. So uh, the self-care of um, training, the self-care of, I just downloaded Nike's running club. So I just started running again after like two years and it feels really good. Um, and I know I had mentioned the whole team approach to leadership. There is um, a guided run on there. Where this coach talks to you the whole time. Honestly, 
It makes me so happy. It really does. <laughs> Initially, I turned it on. My husband and I were in the park. I turned it on and it started going. And I said, wait a minute, where's where's Coach Bennett? He's not getting, hold on. Oh, I need to do the guided run. So he talks <laughs> you through the whole thing. And then he's like, wait a minute, I'm not leaving you. I'm still here. I'll come back in two minutes, but don't worry. I'm still here with you. <laughs> so, so my self-care is, yeah, working out. My self-care is just doing nothing sometimes or just taking a walk. Amen and amen. Um, and just uh, giving myself grace. It's important, yeah. yeah. Sometimes I can be hard on myself and I feel like that self-care is like, Come on, Benita, you're not going to beat yourself up because you got to someplace late or you think that someone's impression of you is a particular way. Like, get over it, mm -hmm. have some grace, and move on. That, for me, is self-care as well. Um, being able to pivot, right? Being able to, I preached about this recently, being able to understand that there may be a season in your life where you need to kind of change things up where mm -hmm. I am right now. I'm super excited about it. And like when it's time to change, when it's time to move, make that move and take care of yourself. Don't try to stay in a place um, where you're boxed in or, you know, you're resisting change. That's not good for your health. That's not good for your health. So I love that. Um, I also love like if people tell me things are good for me, I'm just going to kind of do it. So, <laughs> so it's just like, oh, maca is good for you. Like, oh, let me check out all the superfoods. Okay, I'm going to try like all the superfoods. I know it's kind of like extra, but honestly, <laughs> honestly, that's like the self-care. Like if I can give myself a shot in the morning of apple cider vinegar and some kamu kamu and some maca and some lemon <laughs> and some green tea. Listen, you you can have you can have my kale if we're ever out eating somewhere because that's a, I know that's a superfood. It's a, it, it's a, not in, not in my household. I'll say that. <laughs> I will say though, Vanita, uh, when we had lunch the other day, I was so happy that I could say, "Oh, here's my favorite vegan restaurant," and I know Vanita's going to be down. <laughs> I was so happy. Oh my gosh, Mac, that I was telling Todd about it. The food was outstanding. I can't wait to go back there. It's great. That, it's great. <laughs> it was awesome. The drink was awesome. The, <laughs> it was a cacao and maca drink. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. me, that's self-care. <laughs> Feel good. You know, um, so yes, as you mentioned, pastoral care, you know, I want to be there for the people. I want to be strong for the people. I want to have my mind, my body, and my spirit together right? Um, I'm going to start seeing a therapist, right? I want to wait till I move. Uh, but I've been checking some out because, you know, I want to be whole, I want to be strong mind, body and spirit. I'm not looking for perfection, because I'll never get there. Um, but if I am charged with the task of caring for others, I want to make sure that I'm in a place that I'm taking care of myself. Um, so those are some of the things that I like to do. And I just love life. I really do, honestly. <laughs> it's super important because I'm sure all three of us can relate to that idea of wanting to help so bad and yet kind of reaching a point where maybe we're stretched a little bit too thin and we should have pulled it back a little bit. And it, But it's so important to remember, like, before you can take care of someone else, like, you have to take care of yourself first and foremost. I mean, one of the things that I love about Forefront's care team is just that recognition of, like, we've, we have to take breaks every now and again because we can't do it all the time. So that, that's, a, that's a, a wonderful recognition to have. I, I, I applaud you for that. Yeah, and also just another thing that I was going to say that as you're talking, Vanita, about therapy, Forefront's very pro-therapy. Mm -hmm. You know, the mental health talks are real and <laughs> honest up in here. And um, I just, I love to hear that uh, that you're going to see a therapist. I think that's great. I'm, I'm going to try and a new therapist actually next week, which I'm scared and excited about. But um, yes, yeah, awesome. it's, it's super important, like you're saying, to take care of by uh, mind, body, and soul, especially I mean, for anyone, but especially if you're in a pastoral role yeah, coming we, out of a pandemic. <laughs> we and we are we are a, a bit of a weepy staff at Forefront. It's true, and, and let me tell you, therapy just enhances that because we're more in touch with our emotions, Amen. and no one is ashamed of that. We are all proud of that. Hashtag weepy staff. <laughs> My, one of my friends from my former church used to call me the weeping prophet. 
I can't. You're perfect. You're perfect for the job. You fit right in. Oh, I love that. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Oh, Speaking about um being so such a perfect fit for forefront in, you know, I I definitely believe that. Um <laughs> I'm I'm curious to hear so I'm bringing it way back to when you got reached out to by someone at Forefront and you'd never heard of us before and you had just started Embrace, your virtual church, and you're asked, you're being asked to interview for this teaching pastor role. What was going through your head and what about Forefront made you say, all right, I'm, I'm diving in. I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. I have to say when I heard about forefront and when I did my research I said this church is so similar to embrace it's so it's so similar to what I'm already doing and you know in a way I feel like I had to laugh I said look at God like Lord you are something else it took me so long to get to the point to launch embrace it really did First off, I wasn't sure if I should. I was on a preaching team at a wonderful church. Um, I, you know, we went away for a couple of weeks. We came back and we had already moved to New Jersey. It was so hard to get to New York. The pandemic hit. When I closed my office door um, and I knew that we weren't coming back, what you know, we thought was for like two, three weeks, I felt like God was going to open up another door. And... The Lord was like, we, I started attending all these meetings on Zoom. And the Lord was like, yeah, you, you, need, to, you need to create a space. You need, to, you need to start a church on Zoom. This is what you need to do. This has been on your heart. You need to move forward with them. Like, oh my gosh, I was so nervous. And I did it. And when I got the call from Forefront, I felt like, oh, Lord, thank you that I took that step of faith because I took that step of faith and, you know, just decided to move forward, feeling so insecure, feeling like I was not confident at all. I mean, I let people know the night before, like after 11 o'clock, the first service was like Palm Sunday. I let people know I was so, I'm like, Todd, should I send it off? He's like, hit send, Vanita, hit send. <laughs> I hit send, like five people showed up. People were like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. You know, five people showed up, but because I moved forward with that, I really feel like I was in a place to be able to be open to the opportunity. Right. And I didn't want to say, oh, well, no, because I already have a church. No, this is a virtual church. It's a virtual experience. Um, let's see what happens. And, you know, now we're in a place where I've shared um, all about well, not all about as much as I know about Forefront with um, the Embrace family. They are so happy for me. Um, we may need to change the time. We're still trying to figure things out. People are happy to attend. So we're just going to see how everything moves. They love the Zoom space of um, the Embrace experience. Um, and um Everything is so aligned. The two churches are really, really um, progressive of the same mindset, just creating a space of belonging. So, yeah, I feel like Embrace prepared me for the forefront experience without a doubt. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so great. I know that when we were um, at the final rounds of your interviews and the staff was meeting you on Zoom, when we came off of that Zoom, uh, Jonathan and I were, were all texting with the staff and we were like, everyone was saying, wow, that was a Holy Spirit experience. I feel so at peace after meeting you. And I, I just want to say that on this podcast as well, because I know we've told you that, but I, and I, I think that we just want to keep saying it to, to, to remind us of that feeling and that trust in the spirit as I'm still getting to know you, but I trust, I trust that 
we were led to this place for a reason at this time. And I'm so excited to explore that with you. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to, I just wanted to voice that. Um. Yeah, thank you so much for that, Mac. Um, it's great to hear. And it really helps me just believe that God is God and God is real. And I'm excited about exploring so much with you, um, Jim, with you, with the Forefront community. I'm just open to great things. And I truly believe that um, God brought us all together for such a time as this. So, Vinita, uh, thanks again for, for sitting down and having this, this uh, delightful conversation with us um, today. Uh, with an eye on wrapping up, I just had one final question for you, because I know that there's probably a lot of people who are listening to this right now who might be feeling a bit uncertain, um, might be feeling a bit vulnerable. I mean, as, as Jonathan recently preached, um, they might feel like they're in a moment of disruption and Forefront is uh, in a bit of a transition right now, but um, you are going to be a part of that transition, a, a part of ushering the church into the next 500 years of Christianity. Our mission has not changed. So I wonder if you can speak a bit to what you're excited about and, and how you see your role and what you're excited to bring to this mission of moving um, the church into the next 500 years of Christianity. Yes, absolutely. I honestly want people to see Forefront as a safe haven. I want them to see the church as a place where they are seen, uh, where they are welcome, where they can help build community, where they specifically can play a role in moving the church forward. I wanna see people believe in church again. Um, I know there was a Pew Research study quite recently and they talked about the number of people not going to church. You know, I believe in church. I am excited about what God is doing um, in Forefront and other churches that really believe this message of um, inclusivity and, and affirming all people. And I'm excited about people um, not just physically attending the church, but really believing in the work of the Holy Spirit and really believing in what we can do together, right? Um, yes, I'm one of the pastors and I hope to help usher in the next 500 years of Christianity. It's not anything that I am looking to do alone or can do alone. So it takes each and every one of us, everyone believing in their God-given gifts and talents and abilities and being willing to just use those gifts all to the glory of God. And um, I think that if we all do that, we will continue to grow the church. Other people will be attracted to this safe haven, to this place of healing, um, and to this place where people can just be themselves and know that God loves them. And that's what I'm excited about as we move forward during this season of uh, transition. 